Good morning, afternoon, or night. This is the Healthy with Holes podcast. My name is Danny, And I'm Sheree. And today we're going to be talking about anxiety disorders. We're going to be talking about what they are, what the different types are, uh, what they look like, what they feel like, the difference between anxiety and panic attacks, and our own experiences with all those, and what we have learned and what has worked for us as far as intervention and prevention techniques or coping skills to treat anxiety. Yep. So first and foremost, let's do a little mental health check-in. It's important to check on your friends, and it's also important to check on yourself. I think sometimes, well, speaking for myself, most of the time, I get so caught up in what I'm doing throughout my day, what I have to do, what I'm busying myself with. I don't take time to take inventory of how I'm doing and how I'm actually feeling. So take some time, do some inventory on yourself, do inventory with your friends. We're going to do it recorded on the mic because uh, we want to hang out with all you guys and tell you our life story, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what is this podcast for about that? <laughs> exactly. So, Shireni. Sheree. <laughs> I How love the nickname. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. A little tired. We've been up a lot these past few days. Mm-hmm. I mean, since Wednesday, I think a total I've gotten like 15 hours of sleep. <laughs> And today's Wednesday again, yeah, so in so the past I, week. In the past week. But it was all good things. It wasn't anxiety-related or anything. Mm-hmm. But today I had therapy, so that was good. My therapist is awesome, as always. And she helped me figure out some stuff about job-related things. And um, I haven't been sleeping well. Mm-hmm. I guess there's that. Which, I actually got a new medication to help me sleep, but I took it for the first time, well not the first time, the second time last night, and it made me feel like I was going to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like my hands went numb, and it was this whole thing, but I'm going to give it another try tonight and see if it was actually that medication or if I was actually going to have a panic attack. Right. And I'm going to give it the three strikes and you're out rule, rule. good old college try. As suggested by a My mental therapist. health professional. Yeah. Don't just start or stop taking meds on your own. Talk to someone in your care team. Right. Um, but yeah, that's good. I hope it works for you. And if it doesn't, your psychiatrist will figure yeah. something out. And let me clarify, my therapist isn't giving me direction on how to take my meds. It's the three strike and then call your psychiatrist. Right. Good point. Right. That's a good point. Three strikes to see if it's actually the medication that's doing that, and then that way you have more information to give him when you call him. Exactly. Because he's your prescriber. Yes. Talk to whoever's prescribing your meds. Um, Speaking of meds, I went and got my injection today. One of my meds that I was previously taking in pill form, I'm able to get it as a monthly shot now instead. And I went and got that for the second time today, and my arm freaking hurts, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, Hopefully it we're going to see if it can be a standalone med for me for mood management and see if I can stop taking pills in general unless needed. That way I can remember my meds better because I'm really bad at maintaining my medications and that is not good for recovery. But Very true. We do our best. Yeah. Again, alarms are lifesavers. Right. Which, um, so are friends because I know that the only way we didn't forget to take our meds and all the chaos Mm -hmm. was because of our friend Jackie, who 
at like nine or ten would be like Danny, Sheree, meds, and we'd be like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Accountability from your support system. Very true. She's an integral part. Yeah, shout out to Jackie for being absolutely amazing and always being there for us and being an integral part of our support system. Hopefully she'll join us on a podcast on an episode soon because she has a lot of insights. Yeah, we've got some stuff in the works. Mm-hmm. You'll get to meet our friend. Hopefully two of them. Two of them, yes. I really hope our other friend joins. Shout out to him as well. Austin. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be all freaked out that their names are on our podcast. They're going to be like, oh, so weird hearing about myself. Right. I know he's said that before when we've talked about him. But that's neither here nor there. I also haven't been sleeping very well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been having nightmares again, which... I've had nightmares off and on my whole life, so it's not that strange, but they had subsided a bit for a while, and they've been bothering me a little bit more again, but I think it might be just stress-related and stuff like that. I guess I've been a little more on the depressed side lately. I hadn't really noticed because I've been keeping myself busy. We've been running errands, and we've been going to town a gazillion times a week, and, you know, picking up the house and stuff like that, but I had a near and dear friend of mine who may or may not be in the room as we speak uh, <laughs> it's me <laughs> spoiler alert uh, point out that I hadn't really been myself lately I've been kind of more reserved and quiet and um, just kind of in my head and a lot of that comes from me being tired but me being tired also comes from me being a little depressed so that's probably all related me being tired not sleeping having nightmares being kind of melancholy I guess Yeah, is a good way to describe how I've felt I don't feel specifically sad, I just feel kind of blah, so that's where I'm at, but I'm also still really excited to work on the podcast tonight, so that's something to look forward to and get me out of my head. I definitely agree. I've also, I don't know, I guess it's me being anxious about going to work, Mm -hmm. so I guess that's kind of keeping me down, if that makes any sense, Mm -hmm. but I trust my therapist. If she thinks it's time for me to go back to work, then I will. Yep. So, one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of anxiety. What is anxiety? Even. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> anxiety is your body's natural reaction to stress. It is a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. So, everyone experiences anxiety. Right. They're not wrong when they tell people with an anxiety disorder that everyone gets anxious. Mm. It's just, with an anxiety disorder... The feeling, feelings of fear or apprehension may be with you all the time. It can be intense and debilitating. Right. So, which I got all this information from healthline.com. They're mm-hmm. a really, there's, they're a wealth of knowledge. So if you want to go take a look, they're not a sponsor, but I really like them. Yeah. It's healthline.com. So let's talk about the different types of anxiety disorders. Right. And none of these are more or less important than the other. They're all valid in how the people who experience these things feel. They're, they're, it's all valid. Yeah. Um, none is more important. None is more intense. Mm -hmm. Everyone experiences things and everyone is affected differently. Right. And these are things that people struggle with in their day-to-day lives if they have this disorder and... I don't know, it's just, I wish I could meet someone 
with each of these, a different someone with each of these disorders, so I could just talk to them and ask them about their experience, because we don't know everything about all of these, and although a lot of them are kind of similar in some of their symptoms, Mm -hmm. because they all manifest with anxiety, but they all are also so different that I just really wish I could understand a, yeah understand and get a first-hand experience from someone so if you hear of one of these and you're clinically diagnosed reach out to us and we'd love to <laughs> rack your brain and harass you i guess <laughs> <laughs> no harassment denny okay i'll be safe <laughs> all right so the first one we're going to talk about is panic disorder panic disorder is experiencing reoccurring panic attacks to at unexpected times. Mm -hmm. Like you could be in the grocery store or at work or taking a walk and all of a sudden you're overcome with this intense panic. Mm -hmm. Your hands start shaking, etc. We'll go over that later. Right. But panic disorder is where panic attacks happen all the time or Mm -hmm. at unexpected times. I know I've experienced panic attacks a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I've never been diagnosed with panic disorder. I don't really know what my diagnosis as far as anxiety goes Mm -hmm. because my therapist is taking some time. Evaluate. Evaluate. And so. They have mentioned that you do have anxiety Mm -hmm. in a debilitating way sometimes. They just haven't pinpointed down if there's a specific type or not yet, so. Yeah, exactly. I've always experienced panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I've always, ex- well, I haven't experienced panic attacks. I, about two years ago, I started experiencing them. So I can kind of identify as far as like getting them at inappropriate times. Right. But I also don't know that I'm diagnosed with this or not. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, I can only imagine what it must be like because yeah. panic attacks suck. They're so awful. They're horrible. And so if you struggle with this, I'm really sorry. You're valid in feeling this way. Don't think that you're crazy just because you're experiencing panic attacks. This is not who you are. And with the right amount of psychiatry and psychology and therapy and Mm -hmm. maybe even medication, this may be something you can overcome. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So let's talk about the next thing, phobias, which is an excessive fear of specific objects, situations, or activities. Okay. So this isn't just your normal, I'm afraid of of spiders, my husband needs to come in and kill it, or my wife needs to come and kill it. Mm -hmm. It's a debilitating, I'm not going to leave my house because I don't want to run into a spider. It's... A matter of being unable to live your normal life because of this fear of an object, activity, or situation. It's hindering your day-to-day living. Exactly. Because of your fear of this thing. Yes. Um, agoraphobia, some cases of arachnophobia, and all the other phobias I don't know may f- fall under this mm-hmm. if it's hindering your ability to live. The one that comes to mind most prevalent to me is probably claustrophobia Mm -hmm. because I can relate to that a little bit more. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, I don't know how to put it. I I do experience some fear of, like, tight spaces and, like, feeling enclosed and stuff. Like, I'm terrified of elevators. Mm -hmm. So, um, absolutely terrified of elevators. I will go out of my way to not take an elevator. So it kind of... I, I haven't been clinically diagnosed with any kind of phobia, but I can say, like, it's 
it's similar to that in that I go out of my way to avoid an elevator. Mm-hmm. So people with these types of phobias go out of their way and it changes what they would normally behave like. Exactly. So. Exactly. So next is social anxiety disorder where you have an extreme fear of being judged by others in social situations. Again, you may not leave your house because you don't want to be judged. Mm -hmm. Or you may avoid a party or large groups of people because you don't want to be judged. Mm -hmm. This could also keep you from having a close-knit circle. Yeah, that's Because you don't want to be judged. So, I, of course, have anxiety going out into social situations because I don't want to be judged. Mm -hmm. But I don't have it to the extent that I should be diagnosed with it. Yeah. So, I can only imagine what this would mean for someone who is diagnosed with this. Right. I know someone very well who, um, I don't think he was officially diagnosed, but they had suggested it for a while and had kind of thought about maybe this was one of the things he was dealing with when he started going to therapy. And they thought maybe it was social anxiety disorder because it is, it is debilitating for him. And it's not just like public speaking or, um, being in large crowds, like going to Walmart or something mm-hmm. like that. He's kind of okay with that, actually. But like you mentioned, he has a problem with intimate relationships, not just like romantically, but with friends and stuff. He has a horrible time opening up to people and relating to people and being real with them right. because of he has he's socially anxious. I don't know. I don't remember if they officially gave him that diagnosis, but he definitely it manifested that way that he was hard he he had friends he cared about but he could never be real with them because he couldn't let anything past that veil right that he held up all the time so. exactly so next we're going to talk about obsessive compulsive disorder or otherwise known as OCD mm-hmm. this is reoccurring irrational thoughts that lead you to perform specific repeated behaviors I used to know a girl in high school who, every time we'd switch classes, she had to touch a doorstop. Every Mm -hmm. doorstop in the hallway. And if you kept her from doing that, she would freak out. She had to do it. Mm -hmm. So this is for people who turn the lights on and off 47 times or whatever they choose, whatever, not what they choose, but whatever becomes compulsive and obsessive for them. Mm Mm-hmm. They have to do it because sometimes the thought is, if I don't do this, someone will die. If I don't do this, this will happen. Mm -hmm. So it's something that they can't control and that they have to do. Mm -hmm. It's not someone being cleanly or cleaning everything or everything needs to be in their place. It's people who actually can't help doing things compulsively. Right. I remember talking to my therapist about it once because I was talking about a, a few things, a few habits I have, I'll put it, because I don't have OCD by any means. Um, but I have a few habits that I was concerned about that I asked him about, and he explained it to me that they were obsessive-compulsive because the thoughts that you have related to them is the obsession. Mm-hmm. You're obsessed about it. You can't get it out of your head. And then acting on it is the compulsive behavior. I won't even get into what those are because it's not relevant. But I know my mom has not necessarily OCD, but she also, she has obsessive compulsive behaviors. And I just think a good example of like what that looks like is her eating habits. When she takes a bite of food, no matter what she's eating, 
Um, if she has to chew it, she chews it a specific number of times with every single bite. And so that's the compulsion. But the obsession that comes with it that causes the compulsion is that she's convinced if she doesn't chew it, just as an example, 47 times, she will choke and she will die. Right. That is her, she legitimately is, it's a legitimate concern for her that if she doesn't act out this compulsion, the obsession is going to come true. So that's kind of what I think of when I try to explain obsessive compulsive behavior. Exactly. Yes. It's not anything to joke about. Yeah. Because these people can't help themselves and a lot of them wish they didn't have to do these things. And that's something that's taking over their... It's very intrusive in their mind. They can't focus on anything else unless that thing happens. And if that thing is happening constantly to try to calm the obsessive thinking, then they're doing it all the time. And now that's impeding in their life and impeding in other behaviors they need to act out. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine personally. All right. So the next one is separation anxiety disorder which is the fear of being away from home or loved ones. Mm -hmm. I think agoraphobia could fall under this. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that if I'm separated from you or my mom, I sometimes get anxious, Mm -hmm. but that's not even relevant to the, to what these people feel. Right. It's an intense debilitating thing that they need to be near this person or they need to be at home. It needs to be resolved immediately or they can't function. Exactly. And again, not something to joke about. Yeah. Definitely not. I know I get a little bit anxious when I'm not around Gabe or around you or if I'm alone or if I'm away from home, but it's not in a way that impedes my entire functioning. I guess if I'm having a bad day, it could, but it's not because of that sole reason right so that would make the day hard (laughs) yeah yeah it would so next is illness anxiety disorder or you might formerly know it as hypochondria which is anxiety about your health Mm -hmm. this is someone who believes they have cancer when they when they have a headache or Mm a a stomach virus when their stomach just kind of hurts or Mm -hmm. they need to chop off their foot because there's a pain in their toe or something like that. It's not something to joke about. This is something that people deal with and they actually believe it. They actually go to doctors and insist that they have this. Mm -hmm. And again, with therapy and uh, the right amount of medications that it might help, Mm -hmm. but not something to joke about. So next is PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, which is anxiety following a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. Anxiety can show up in hallucinations, flashbacks. Um, I'm at a loss. Um, Well, I can only speak for myself as far as, like, being an expert, (laughs) quote-unquote, not an expert. Um, But speaking from my own experience... When I was first diagnosed with PTSD, I had hallucinations, flashbacks, hypervigilance, which is where you're more jumpy and you're very aware of your surroundings. And um, I don't know a good word for it. I don't want to say paranoid, but just, you know, more aware of your surroundings and nervous about what's going on around you. And there's another something that goes hand in hand with that. I don't remember what exactly it's called, but it's when you... Your, your startle response. That's what it was. Mm. You have a heightened startle response. I remember 
when I first got diagnosed and I was kind of in the height of my symptoms before they were more managed, when Gabe would come up behind me and just give me a hug, I would jump out of my skin mm-hmm. and maybe even yell briefly and he'd be like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. And it wouldn't be something that would normally startle me. Nightmares, disruption of sleep, and things like anxiety or panic attacks, which that's where my panic attacks came from because we've both experienced them, but mine was related specifically to PTSD. Mm -hmm. So that's what I know about that. (laughs) (laughs) So last but not least, we're going to talk about generalized anxiety disorder. So generalized anxiety disorder is a more widespread diagnosis, and a lot of people suffer from generalized anxiety disorder, mainly college students, surprisingly, not really. But (laughs) so what I want to say about generalized anxiety disorder, if you are diagnosed with this or if you know someone who is diagnosed with this, they're not any less Mm -hmm. just because it's a more well-known illness. And it's not any less important than OCD or PTSD or separation anxiety. It's not, it's not less than panic disorder. These are all real. All of them need to be validated. Mm-hmm. Because this is all sp- things that people experience, and it's real for them. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about generalized anxiety which the symptoms look like is increased heart rate, rapid breathing, restlessness, trouble concentrating, and difficulty sleeping. Mm-hmm. So you bounce your knee a lot. You don't sleep very well. You have a really hard time concentrating because there's this event that you keep going back to, or mm-hmm. you're breathing really fast, or your heart rate is just pounding out of your chest. It's real symptoms, and they suck. <laughs> yeah, that's what, when I first started going to therapy and stuff, along with my other diagnoses, generalized anxiety disorder was what they referred to to explain, what they used to explain my an- anxious symptoms. And it was awful. It was... I, you know, that's where I had anxiety attacks. I had, I was anxious all the time. You know, it was very real and very relevant and significant. It was very real and relevant to what I was dealing with. And, you know, I had anxiety attacks and then later on learned the difference between that and a panic attack. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're very different. Mm-hmm. Anxiety attacks and panic attacks because with anxiety attacks, it's extended over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Say you have a meeting at work and you're going to be presenting something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. And you have a week. I feel anxious just thinking about it. <laughs> so you have a week to get this thing done. You're going to have a di- have difficulty sleeping. Um, you're going to have disturbed sleep. You'll probably have a little bit of nightmares. Mm-hmm waking up a lot because you're not getting the quality of sleep you need and that's what anxiety does Mm -hmm. or you may just have a hard time falling asleep and you have like anxiety insomnia Mm -hmm. which I feel like I experience a lot of that yeah um you may have muscle tension 
Your neck may be stiff. Your shoulders hold tension. It feels like you're carrying something. You're, like, sore, like you've been working out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then there's difficulty concentrating. You are so focused on this that you keep thinking about the presentation, and you're working on it, but you're having a hard time concentrating because you're thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about what will happen. Right. And then there's fatigue. You're tired because you're not sleeping mm-hmm. and because you're having a hard time staying awake. But even when you take a nap, you're not getting the quality of sleep you need because mm-hmm. of the sleep disturbance. And then there's restlessness. You're probably bouncing your foot. You're probably pacing. Mm-hmm. You're probably tossing and turning in bed. You aren't getting the quality of relaxation you need right? because of this presentation and then there may be other symptoms or actions that may be present because everyone experiences things differently right these are just a more generalized a lot of people experience these things right what did you experience with your anxiety attacks um for me when i well i've had anxiety attacks for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And early on when I was much younger, like I said before, um, I came from a, a family with medical background. So when I was younger, um, we didn't really know I had anxiety. We, my dad called me a worry wart. <laughs> right. And I worry about everything. You're a worrier. That's just what you do. And so I was like, okay, yeah, cool. That's, you're not wrong. <laughs> that is exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. And, but when I would get really anxious and be having what I was having was an anxiety attack. I would, you know, feel dizzy, a little bit dizzy. My hands would be kind of shaky, a little bit rapid heart rate and feel like something just feel not right. That's the only way in my young vocabulary that I could explain to my mom, you know, I don't feel good as something's wrong and I don't feel good. Um, her being a nurse thinking, I know how to solve this right now. I'll give you a snack. So they would give me a snack. Let's raise your blood sugar because low blood sugar kind of looks like an anxiety attack. It definitely does. So they that's how we treated it for a long time. And now I have an unhealthy relationship with food. But <laughs> um, later on, when I was old enough to consent to finger pricks, we would check my blood sugar and it would be perfectly fine. Right. Every single time it was perfectly fine. And my mom was at a loss. Like, okay, I don't know why you... Or acting like you have low blood sugar. I know now, you know, we all know hindsight's twenty twenty, and can realize and recognize that that is anxiety symptoms, for me anyways. Um, it's not a bad idea to check your blood sugar. If you, it isn't. If you feel those symptoms, because if you can fix it with a soda and a well-balanced meal, more power to you. Right. Um, and you need to treat blood sugar problems, but that's for a different podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> um but now I know that when I'm having an anxiety attack, my legs bounce or shake. Um, I was about to say that. When I can tell you're having anxiety, you bounce your foot. Yeah, or my hands are shaking. I won't even realize my hands are shaking, and I'll go to hand you something, or I'll just be resting them somewhere, and you're like, hey, your hands are shaking. Are you feeling okay? And bring it to my attention, because sometimes I don't even... If you it's don't an anxi- realize it. Yeah, if it's an anxiety attack, I don't even realize it. Um, I get... I probably talk a little bit faster when I'm anxious. My heart rate goes a little faster and I'm restless. I pace or mm-hmm. um, try to occupy myself with something. Uh, sometimes when I'm anxious, I clean. I clean a lot. So, 
If there's just anxious energy that needs an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I won't even know what I'm anxious about. I won't have a, like, I definitely get anxious when I had presentations at work. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I won't know about, like, be able to identify, oh, it's because of this. Well, we all have some of those days. Yeah. So sometimes, a lot of times I don't even know why I'm anxious. And a lot of times I don't even know that I'm anxious until someone points it out to me. I'm not as self-aware as I'd like to think I am. <laughs> Same. What do anxiety attacks, how do you experience them? How do I experience them? Hmm. Well, I get irritable. Okay. I get very irritable. Like, you, if I'm worried about something, that's what I'm focused on. And it's almost like if you interrupt that thought process, I snap. And I'm just like, leave me alone. Or... I don't want to be around people because I want to stew in this Mm. thought, which is not healthy and you should not do that. (laughs) But um, like I told my therapist, I will start stuff and then I won't finish it because I have all this anxious energy and I'm like, okay, this isn't doing it for me. Move Mm -hmm. on to the next task and start it and be like, this isn't doing it for me. Okay, go on to the next task kind of looking for an outlet to just fix this real quick yeah and if the anxiety anxiety attack is bad enough I'll bounce my leg Mm -hmm. or my hands will shake and then I can kind of tell that I might be going into a panic attack Mm -hmm. if it's getting too bad which panic attacks can be induced by stressors yeah so just let me clarify because I know I said earlier you can experience them without a reason. So that's basically how my anxiety attacks. I don't sleep, mm-hmm. but I don't sleep in general. <laughs> so right. I don't know if it's just a constant state of anxiety. Right. You know, I didn't even realize. I I knew, like, logically or educated-wise that there was a difference between anxiety attacks and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I knew textbook what the difference was. But I did not understand the difference until I started having panic attacks associated with my PTSD. Mm-hmm. And it's like a completely different game. Oh, it definitely is. I wouldn't say one is worse than the other. No. Necessarily. But I would say for me that it was it was just a completely different experience. And it changed my perspective big time. Because, you know, I've always had anxiety. I'm an anxious person. I'm a worrier. Whatever. And had experienced anxiety attacks in the past. So I thought, you know, maybe I stigmatized it a little bit, but I thought, you know, panic attacks are just worse anxiety attacks. Or panic attacks are just uh, the same exact thing as anxiety attacks, except the symptoms are a little harsher. Like, it's a more extreme version. Right. But... They're a a different beast. It is a different beast. That's a good way to put it. They're both monsters. Yeah, for sure. But they're very different monsters. Yeah. So let's go over panic attacks. Well, I think you (laughs) might be the longer lasting professional on that one. So what is a panic attack? So a panic attack is quick, but with intense reactions. Um, A panic attack can only last about 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. which... But they're the longest 20 minutes ever. Yeah. It sucks. So like you experience muscle tension Mm -hmm. with an anxiety attack, you experience shaking, your hands shake, your fingers may go numb, your feet may go numb, Mm -hmm. it may spread to the rest of your body, everyone's different. Chest pain slash discomfort 
Um, I know for me, it feels like I'm having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You've actually taken me to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah, it's From extreme. a panic attack. Um, heart palpitations. Those suck. Those are bad. (laughs) So, and then there's also the fear of dying or losing control. I know sometimes when I'm having a panic attack, I think I'm dying and I'm scared I'm going to lose control. Like, Mm -hmm. the whole thing about a panic attack is you feel like you're losing it. You Mm -hmm. feel like you're losing control of your body because you're shaking. Your hands are numb. You're sobbing or hyperventilating. Dizzy. Exactly. That symptom of panic attacks... I'll just touch on that briefly. It's so hard to explain to someone that's never had it, from my experience. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard that symptom before I ever had a panic attack and did not understand. I was like, okay, fear of dying. A lot of people have fear of dying. But it's like a different... It's, it's you different think you're going to die moment. in that moment. Yeah, you are convinced, or at least I have been in a panic attack, convinced that I this is the end. This is what dying feels like, <laughs> and it is happening. Goodbye. And the losing control thing, for me, look from the outside looking in, when I hadn't had one before, I thought it just sounded like, you know, oh, my life is a mess and I'm stressed out about it. But it actually, at least for me, when I did have one and I felt that loss of control, it felt like a very tangible, like, almost like my body was falling apart. I was slipping out of reality. The way I picture it in my head now thinking about it is like you have a picture Mm -hmm. of whatever scene you're in or setting or room or, or your house and a tornado comes by and just all the pieces are destroyed into oblivion and you have no control over that. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like inside of me. Yes. That loss of control that I can't pull them back because that tornado is too strong. That's def- I definitely agree. That's exactly how it feels. It's horrible. I know for me, it feels like my sanity is slipping away. Like mm-hmm. this is how it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to be a sobbing, shaking, hyperventilating mess mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. If I don't die, which, (laughs) excuse me, if I don't die. Mm -hmm. So, fear of dying or losing control. And then there's the feeling of choking. I experience this a lot. I will actually retch and, like, Mm -hmm. gag because I feel like I'm choking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that. I have. With... Just being anxious or having an anxiety attack, I feel a lump in my throat. Mm-hmm. But when I have a panic attack, that lump is huge, and I try to cough or I try to, you know, drink lots of water or something, or and I'm just I can't breathe anymore. Exactly. And I'm convinced it's because I'm like I'm choking and I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I have that shortness of breath. And then afterwards, your throat's sore. Yeah. And your body's sore, and you're just so tired. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I call it, I before I have a panic attack, I see fireflies. Mm-hmm. It's like little dots of light in my vision. Mm-hmm. And then after, when I the panic attack is subsiding, I see them again. And then I kind of go into a fog. Mm-hmm. I become tired, exhausted, and I'm just laying on the couch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just not okay. But better because I'm not having a panic attack anymore. Right. So that's some of my other symptoms because everyone's different. Yeah. You don't see fireflies. No. I I do. And so other symptoms may be present that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. 
I know that I've even had different symptoms during different panic attacks because mm-hmm. I haven't had as many as you. I think I can remember most of them specifically. Um, Cannot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember the first time I ever had a panic attack. It was it was while I was working in as a receptionist in a medical office, and this was before I had PTSD. This was the only time I had ever had a panic attack, and I didn't know what that was what it was. And in that time, my face was tingling almost like it's about to go numb, but it didn't go numb. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was having an allergic reaction to something because it started with my lips and spread to the rest of my face. But then my hands started doing it and my palms itched. And so I was freaking out that I was having an allergic reaction. So that made me freak out more. And I was anxious, but then I couldn't breathe. And I felt like I had really bad chest pain and like a heaviness on my chest. Mm -hmm. And I started crying like uncontrollably. I was just sobbing. And I thought maybe I was sobbing because I thought I was dying and I was in pain, but that didn't make sense because I don't, I, it didn't, it didn't, I was, the sobbing was like its own symptom. So I called my boss because she had already left for the day and she called the doctor we worked for that worked across the parking lot and they took care of me and I found out it was a panic attack and it all made sense. And she gave me a paper bag to breathe into. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was the first and the first time I had ever experienced something like a panic attack. I had had anxiety attacks before, but this was like a different beast. Like An advanced. Said. This was an advanced <laughs> allergic reaction. <laughs> right. And, but then all the p- panic attacks I've had related to my PTSD, I didn't necessarily have face... Or uh, my hands have gone numb before, but there wasn't that weird tingling and itching sensation on my face and hands. And um, it came with other um, symptoms, but we can talk about that more um, in a minute. I know. I can remember the first panic attack I've had had in the two years that I've experienced them frequently. Mm -hmm. I was working at... Uh, at a superstore and I remember feeling nauseous feeling just this wave of nausea roll over me and then Mm -hmm. I got lightheaded and my vision went tunneled and then my hands started going numb and Mm -hmm. I started shaking and my feet went numb and then there was a heaviness on my chest and I started to hyperventilate and it was horrible because I was like, this is it. I'm going to die in a superstore full of people I hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is great. That's a nightmare. <laughs> and so I went outside and I started, like, rocking because I sat down and I had my hands on my head. And I was trying to put my head between my knees and trying to calm down. And some random stranger comes up to me and goes, are you okay? What's going on? And so I kind of explained it to him. He goes, you're having a panic attack. Just, I want you to match my breathing. And I Mm -hmm. did. And he was like, okay, now I want you to put your hands on your head, open your chest up and all of this. He was, it was amazing. He talked me through my first panic attack and he, I, I'm grateful to him to this day because. Do you have any idea who this guy was? No idea. Did you ever find out afterwards? I think he was homeless actually. Because he wasn't be- dressed the best, but 
he's my guardian angel. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I was freaking out. And he was like, you're having a panic attack. Just match my breathing. Put your hands on your head. Spread yourself out. Because when you're having a panic attack, it's almost like you fold into yourself. Yeah, definitely. And you need to spread yourself out because that shows your body that you're not in any immediate danger. Mm-hmm. So... That was my very first panic attack in the two years that I've experienced them frequently. So question, if hmm. you know, does the head between your knees thing actually help anxiety or panic attacks? Because I've always seen that, that on TV. For me, no. Okay. If anything, it makes me feel a little claustrophobic. Yeah. Because I'm already folding in on myself and I and to do it more freaks me out. And ever since that guy told me, my therapist has told me, opening yourself up mm-hmm. and just because that proves to your body, I'm not in any danger. Why would mm-hmm. I do this if I was in danger? Right. And it also gives your lungs room to expand exactly. so that you're taking appropriately deep breaths instead of shallow breathing. Yes. Um, and it's so interesting being knowing someone who has panic attacks and also having experienced them because I feel like from the inside it's completely different than watching someone go through it because I can just speak from us and from someone I worked with that when you have a panic attack I can't I don't see all of that going on I know you really well so I can tell when you're having a panic attack and you also let me know so that we can address the situation and not you know go buy ice cream while this is happening or whatever the case is right but it looks it doesn't look anything like what it feels like um from the outside looking in at least for you it looks like you're a little upset about something and like something's worrying you it doesn't look like loss of control or fear of death or you know all those things Mm -hmm. um if you start crying sometimes, you know, you see that and then you just, you look upset about something. So I think that's interesting to point out that you can't necessarily know without talking to somebody that they're experiencing this. Exactly. Everything looks differently. You may have someone who throws themselves on the floor and sobs uncontrollably and kicks and that's what a panic attack looks like for them. Mm-hmm. And then you may have someone who walks around pacing or with just tears streaming down their face or mm-hmm. someone who is internally having a mm-hmm. panic attack. You'd never know. Right. I was actually talking to a friend tonight that I used to work with because she has anxiety and mm-hmm. she's been dealing with it again lately. Back when we used to work together, when she would have her anxiety, cause hers is kind of inter- inter- intermittent. Hers is kind of intermittent. Um, she'll go through it for a period of time, maybe a few weeks or a month or two, and then it'll go away for months and months and then it'll come back and kind of flare up. Mm -hmm. But when she was being, feeling really anxious or even having an anxiety attack, she would, she described it as feeling, um, feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. And, but the way it looked was that she just wanted to get up and clean. She would get up and reorganize our whole reception area. She would start cleaning. She'd be throwing things away and moving things around and just trying to make the space more open. And it was manifesting that way because she felt trapped and like it was closing in on her. Like she was cluttered and she was feeling like her thoughts were probably, like her thoughts were racing and busy in her head. So everything around her felt too busy Busy and needed to be cleaned yeah and that's how hers looked so from the outside looking in if we hadn't discussed anxiety ever I would have no idea she was struggling with that and maybe I could have made it worse right so 
Exactly. It just like she was cleaning. Anxiety, panic, and anxiety attacks, panic attacks, they can look so different mm-hmm. on whoever is experiencing them. Mm-hmm. So don't discount when someone says, I'm having an anxiety attack or I'm having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. It's all real to that person and should be treated as such. Absolutely. So what can we do to prevent, intervene? Overall manage. Yeah, overall manage. Well... <laughs> Um, the best rule of thumb for dealing with anxiety disorders is prevention, doing preventative measures on a regular basis to kind of ease symptoms, um, ahead of time. And most of these can work as both prevention and intervention. Feel free to do them as intervention while you're having a panic or anxiety attack, but if you can try to incorporate them into your routine, it may lessen the symptoms or the frequency of these attacks if you do suffer from them. Um, Some of the prevention techniques, I guess we could talk about that first since that's what you would do before an attack. Um, CBT therapy. That's what we do. Talk therapy. Go see a therapist on a somewhat regular basis. Talk to them. They help you identify your triggers for anxiety and panic attacks, change your thinking, change your thinking so that you're less likely to have them or maybe things that would usually cause you to have them. You'll think about them differently. Um, they've worked, that's worked wonders for us. I know. Oh yeah. Um, so what CBD, CBT stands for is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And with my therapist, what we do is, why what thought led to this Mm -hmm. and you identify what you were feeling what you were thinking that led you to this and it's helped my anxiety it's helped my reactions Mm -hmm. to certain things and it's it just has done wonders absolutely and I just started (laughs) yeah it's done wonders for me too and I've been going for almost three years now almost um Another good prevention technique, I wouldn't, I suppose you can do this as an intervention, but, and it can definitely help. It has helped me before, but I have a hard time focusing when I'm in the middle of an anxiety or panic attack, but it is really good for prevention is journaling. Yes. Um, make it a regular part of your day or even your week that you sit down and journal how you're feeling, what's going on in your life, um, if you're feeling anxious, you know, stuff like that. And it can help while you're ha- – I have done it while I'm having a panic attack, and it has helped, but it doesn't always help because I can't focus or my hands are shaking and I can't write, you know, stuff like that. And journaling doesn't always have to be like, why am I anxious, Why? what is happening, or anything. I know that in the middle of a panic attack, mm-hmm. um, as it subsided, I wrote – about, I wrote a short story about a girl who was experiencing a panic attack, mm-hmm. and that was cathartic. It kind of gets you out of your own head. Yes. And, yeah. And so it can look at look like writing short stories. It can look like you writing what's going on in the moment. Mm-hmm. You could write your future aspirations or whatever you want to write. You can do that. I know um, in the past when I've been anxious, I write poetry. Mm-hmm. So And that helps because it makes me focus on how I want it to sound and the rhythm and the flow of it. I'm focusing so much on that and I'm engrossed in what I'm writing and thinking about that I'm not harping on whatever I'm anxious about. Exactly. Um, another thing that's good for prevention is meditation mm-hmm. and 
a lot of people I know that I have in the past shy away from that word because it sounds complicated. It does. And you need some complicated, you know, candles and incense and a pillow and your mandala tapestry, which we have all of those things. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We do. I'm not going to discount those because I like the vibes. But <laughs> they're not necessary. Meditation no. doesn't have to be complicated. It's really simple. It's a matter of breathing. and Mindfulness. Mindfulness. And just, you know, taking your thoughts captive and really being aware of what you're thinking about. And just sitting back and taking some time to yourself to reflect on what you're thinking about or not and or try to you know focus on something different and for those of you who have a hard time focusing on meditation we've done a few meditations that involve like holding something in your hand Mm -hmm. um danny has done numerous mantras with Mm -hmm. a mala which i love my mala my mala is just having it around your neck after you've done meditations with it, it's it's soothing in itself. Exactly. It reminds me to be mindful. And you can get a lot of, like, cheap malas on Amazon. So I would suggest investing in one and mm-hmm. doing that. But I remember I led you through a, an ice meditation mm-hmm. one time when you were close to having a panic attack. I yes. had you hold ice in your hand, and that gave... The purpose of the ice is to give you something to focus on mm-hmm. and to keep you in the moment, which my therapist suggested it to me. She's awesome. Shout out <laughs> to my therapist. Um, <laughs> so what you do is you hold the ice and then you imagine what the negative feelings inside you look like. And then you imagine just pushing that into the ice. And kind of melting with it. And melting with the ice. And... I like that because it gives me something tangible to hold. Right. And keeps me focused on the now, which is really what meditation is. Mm-hmm. Is mindfulness and keeping you in the now and um, not letting your thoughts stray from what's going on. Absolutely. And there's different types of meditation in there. You, it can be as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. Just kind of experiment with different types and different, you know... Um, routines, whatever works best for you, they can be, you can try guided med- meditations, like on YouTube or anywhere on the internet, I use really. to sleep sometimes. Yeah, someone talks you through it and is telling you, you know, okay, breathe like this now and think about this and imagine this, and someone's talking you through it, which can be super helpful as a preventative thing or to help you sleep. Or when you're having a panic attack, panic attack it's helpful to have someone to help talk you down. Mm-hmm. Or... Me and my therapist just had this argument yesterday because he was like, why aren't you meditating? And I, you know, we had this argument and I have all thousand excuses because that's how I am. But he told me it's so simple. You're making it complicated. It's simply breathing. Mm-hmm. I want you to take some time out of your day to do nothing but breathe. And if you're thinking about stuff, that's fine. Just make sure you're mindfully breathing, <clears throat> which brings me to. The next thing I wanted to talk about, breathing, which is on my on my list. It's listed as a preventative and intervention. It's so important as a preventative because it keeps your blood pressure low. It keeps your heart rate and your breathing low, yes. which makes you less likely to feel anxious or have any kind of attacks. Um, but you can also do it while you're having an anxiety or panic attack. That's like the first thing you should start doing is focus on your breathing. Slow it down. Make sure you're taking deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And right. it will 
it'll also, just like opening up your chest, it'll tell your body that you're not in danger. Exactly. And it'll tell, your body will tell your mind, okay, take it back a notch. You're freaking out. (laughs) We're okay, it turns out. Thanks for trying to protect me. Another thing that's good for both is, what, there's two that came specifically from your therapist, so I'd like you to explain them because you do it really well. (laughs) Um, One of them is unclench. That's what I wrote on my note. Please explain. (laughs) So I actually mentioned it in, I believe, episode two, maybe episode one. Um, My therapist told me that when I'm having anxiety that I need to unclench my butt. (laughs) I laugh every time. (laughs) So what it is is when you – it's a – Stealthy way to remind your body that I am in, I am not in danger. If you start feeling yourself get anxious, just unclench because you're not in danger. Why would you be doing that if you were in danger? It doesn't make any sense. Right. It's just an override, like restarting your computer or something. Have you tried turning it off and back on? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're turning it off and back on when you unclench. So I know that you've voiced it by saying unclench and I have my own interpretation and right here in front of everybody I want to make sure I got this right does that mean like are you tightening your butt muscles and then relaxing them yes is that literally what you're doing okay well I'm glad I'm not a weirdo (laughs) I wanted to make sure I knew what we were talking about yes that is what you're doing okay and then the other one is EFT tapping Mm -hmm. which is emotional freedom technique And so I wish we had a video. Maybe I'll post one on our Instagram or Twitter later. Oh, good idea. And so what you do is you tap in certain places, and it basically resets your body. Why would you be doing this if you were in danger? Mm -hmm. And it gives you something to focus on. It keeps you in the now because you do it for so long. You do the top of your head, in between your eyebrows, um, under your eyes, above your lip, Below your lip, on your chin, your collarbone, your armpits, and then your first rib. Mm-hmm. And that, it, and then you do that however many times you have to, all while breathing. Mm-hmm. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And that's, really, that's helped me a lot. And that can mm-hmm. be used as a prevention or intervention. Just for me, when I'm, when it's an intervention I need someone to help guide me through it. I right. actually had a coworker once. I was having a panic attack at work and she was like, show me how to tap. Show me how to do that. And so I was like, okay. And I showed her how to do it and it calmed me down because she was like, okay. And then next is your eyebrows. And mm-hmm. you know, so those are really good ones. What a good coworker. Yeah. I just want to say that is very compassionate and just, it was really kind of her. What a, what a good person. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, I know you've talked me through the tapping sequence before. You had mentioned it and to- told me about it a little bit. But then briefly, after you learned about it, I was having, I think I was having an anxiety attack. I don't really remember. But it may have been a panic attack. It's That's important. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I was some kind of mess. And you led me through it. And it did help some. So I'm glad. It was, it can confirm it is, uh, it is good. But- Then I also have a friend who it didn't help. Mm -hmm. So it's all a matter of who you are, what works for you, what works for you. So none of these are a guarantee. Mm -hmm. It's just worth a try. It's definitely nice to have as many tools in your toolbox as you can. That way, if two out of four work, 
you found two things that work. If four out of four work, that's four things you can try. Maybe on Monday one of them doesn't work, and on Tuesday it does work. You've got options to pick from, right. depending on the circumstance. So what do we have for intervention? Okay, so some of the intervention techniques, I'm sure there's more out there, but some of the ones we've tried that have worked for us. This one, distraction scenarios. I you love taught, those. They are good. You taught me one of these, and one of them... Um, one of the examples I have is a game I used to play with my dad on road trips because mm-hmm. um, it distracted us from being bored. <laughs> it was it was a good coping skill for that. But distraction scenarios. So this is just taking your mind off of whatever's bothering you and making you focus, actively focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, the example I have that I used to play with my dad was we're going on a picnic. What are you going to bring? So you have this scenario, you're going to go on a picnic with whoever you're playing with. These are really good to play with somebody. It's kind of hard to do by yourself, but you can. I mm-hmm. suggest writing it down if you're doing it by yourself so it's more tangible. Um, but if you can, do it with somebody else. And we're going on a picnic. I'm going to bring apples. And you go through the alphabet. Mm-hmm. What are you going to bring? Oh, well, I'm going on a picnic and I'm going to bring um, brisket. Brisket. Oh, good idea. Let's bring brisket. I'll bring cobbler, and you go through the whole alphabet until you get to Z or until you're okay, or you go through it four times, mm-hmm. whatever you need. Um, the other one, your therapist taught you, right? Mm-hmm. You're an alien that has spent some time on Earth, and you're about to go back to your planet, and you get to bring back things that you thought were interesting or that you liked from Earth. Mm-hmm. So you go through the alphabet, just like Danny's scenario, and so you start with A. What do you like that starts with A that you want to bring back to your home planet? I love animals. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring animals back to my home home planet. B, what do you like? I really like butter. It's good to cut, cook with. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And I then I want to bring baby corn. Baby corn. <laughs> there we go. So you just go through the alphabet, just like Danny said, all the way through Z, or you do it four or five times if you need to. Mm-hmm. It's a really good technique to keep your mind off of what's going on. I really like that one too, because not only is it just not only is it distracting and making you focus, but it also kind of takes you out of. The situation. The situation and makes you think from an outside perspective you don't normally do. Like, what is interesting about our world that we take for granted or don't think about? Mm-hmm. Like, I love baby corn. And it's interesting. They made teeny tiny corn instead of normal corn. Like, that seems kind of weird if you think about it from an alien's perspective. Right. Like, why are these humans making tiny versions of their normal food? <laughs> Don't they want more food? Like, it just, to me, it's interesting to think about it from a I definitely perspective. agree. Another one that's so important is grounding. Yes. We've talked about this a lot on our Instagram because it's so, so helpful. And it's, so grounding is being aware of your senses and surrounding and putting yourself in the present moment. It's a, it goes hand in hand with being mindful and it's a type of mindfulness. But specifically an exercise you can do, a grounding exercise is a senses awareness mm-hmm. exercise. I always forget how it goes. So what you do is you cho- you choose five things you can see. So right now I see a painting that I, Danny did that sa- says, trust the process. I see a map our friend Austin made. I see a map from a Dungeons and Dragons book. And I see another painting that we bought from a store. Mm-hmm. I think that's five. 
We're going to say it's five. <laughs> um, and then I choose four things I can smell or touch. And so I can touch our coffee table. I can touch our mic. I can touch our laptop. And I can touch the spray bottle that we have for the dogs. And you can and you focus on what it feels like. Yes. You know, this is rough. This is smooth. This is soft and fluffy. Exactly. Not that any of those things were fluffy. I would refrain for the touching thing to not focus on your clothes. Because when I do that, it makes me feel constricted. Mm -hmm. I also wear tight jeans and leggings a lot. So yeah. there's that. I do not focus on how my clothing feels. So next, you pick three things you can smell. I'm missing one. Oh, it's four things you can hear. Three things you can touch, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Oh, okay. So let me reiterate that. that I probably confused you guys. So it's five things you can t uh, see, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Okay. On the taste one, I, ref I urge you all not to taste your mouth. Get a piece of gum. Or candy or something like that because when I do that it makes me uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it kind of does that thing where you don't have enough room in your mouth for your tongue. Yeah, it Freaks makes me, me feel out. like I have a lump in my throat if I don't have something to actually deliver my sense of taste. Exactly. So I would refrain from doing that. Um, when I'm at work, I go outside to do this because my workplace looks normal. And there's nothing really for me to point out because it all looks the same. Mm -hmm. So. Outside is a really, for us anyway, has always been our preferred place of grounding. It definitely When has. we were living at the apartment, I haven't really done it since we've been here yet. But when we were living at the apartment, I would wake up earlier than everybody else sometimes. And just kind of wake up kind of anxious because I woke up from a nightmare or something. And I would go straight outside and go walk barefoot in the grass. Yeah, I have lots of pictures on our Instagram of me in the grass because it's sensory input for your body so that you can focus on that. And it gives your body something to focus on too, not just you trying to focus on something in your yes. head. Yes. Last but not least, I'm sure there's other things, but as far as on our list uh, is shock the senses. Yes. This kind of goes along with grounding, but it's a little more intense, um, intense and intentional. I know you mentioned the ice thing. That's definitely something that's helped me, and I know you've done it before, um, just taking a piece of ice and squeezing it in your hand, and it kind of hurts and it kind of burns, but you're not going to hurt yourself because it's just ice, and if it starts to actually, like, hurt, change hands. Mm -hmm. Don't hurt yourself. And it draws your focus and attention of your mind and your body to your palms. Yes. And it's cold. <laughs> yes. Well, what did you do? I know we talked about this beforehand. What did you do to shock your senses? Um, so what worked best for me, I can remember um, it was probably the worst panic attack I ever had when I discovered that this worked for me. Um, it was related to my PTSD, and I had been speaking with my fiancé about the incident and, you know, having a very open, vulnerable conversation and it was kind of triggering, and I was also talking about nightmares I had the night before, which was triggering, and it just, you know, all these things combined thrust me into the worst panic attack I've ever had, and I was sobbing, 
and I was sobbing loud. <laughs> like, it was, I was ugly crying to the max. Mm-hmm. And I was shaking, and my chest hurt so bad. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was choking. And I did collapse on the floor. Like you said earlier, it looks different for everyone. This panic attack looked different for me, even. Um, I went into the bathroom because I wanted to cry by myself. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to ugly cry in front of everybody in our house. But I went to the bathroom, and I suddenly was so heavy that I just collapsed to the floor. And I was on my hands and knees just trying to breathe and trying to not die. I thought I was dying in the bathroom floor. And um, had that, that fear of death and loss of control and stuff. And I already I had my hands on the floor. And I got grossed out because I was on the bathroom floor. <laughs> and um, I turned on the, sh- the bathtub because I was crying really freaking loud. And I didn't want everyone to hear me crying. And so I turned on the bathtub, and I felt some of the water, and it was on hot. And so I just shoved my hands into the bathtub and let it kind of fill up and run over my hands. And I had it pretty hot. Don't turn the hottest hot hellfire water on your hands. Don't burn yourself. Don't hurt yourself. I'm not telling you to do that. But you can make the temperature a little extreme, cold or hot, and it's going to shock your senses. And Mm -hmm. that kind of brought me to... And made me feel real again because I didn't feel like a real person. I didn't feel like myself. And it made me feel my hands again and feel like in the moment, okay, I see what I'm doing. I have my hands in the water. And I kind of looked at my hands and they look a little refracted Mm -hmm. by being in the water. So I was able to focus on that. So I had a, a visual sensory. I had the touch. I had the smell. And the feeling of the steam in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can kind of taste, I feel like you can kind of taste steam. Yeah. And it smelled like my bathtub in there. It smelled like, you know, um, body wash and shampoo and stuff like that. So I had several senses uh, stimulated at the same time. And it kind of brought me down um, long enough that I could sit back and be able to take a medication. Which I wanted to bring up. Medication is good if your psychiatrist and therapist and care team decides that you need them, they're good for both prevention and intervention. Yes. Um, I've taken, I've taken in one period of time in my life, uh, medication routinely as a preventative and didn't need it anymore. And then it got switched to an intervention. And then I've taken a different kind of medication for intervention that dissolves on your tongue so that it'll stop the panic attack immediately, especially because around that time, That's something I didn't talk about. A symptom of my anxiety, vomiting. I remember that. I, no matter what I ate for days and days and days at a time, I threw up because I was anxious. But anyway, so medication helped with that also. But those are my intervention techniques that I've tried and we've tried and we know those work. Um, If you guys have some that we haven't thought of or talked about, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at Healthy With Holes on Instagram or Healthy Wit, W-I-T, Holes on Twitter. You can DM us, retweet at us, post a picture, tag us in it. Whatever you want to do, we are totally excited and down to talk to you about prevention techniques, intervention techniques for anxiety. What your experiences are. Too, because like like we said, everyone experiences it differently, and everyone's anxiety looks differently. Like even just between me and you, and my coworker, and our other friends in our inner circle who experience it completely different. Yeah. 
So that's always interesting to me. If you have one of the specific types of anxiety disorders we talked about that I don't know much about, I'd also, you know, message me. <laughs> I want to know. We'd love to learn more. Yeah, that's, I'm being weird, but that's absolutely why. We want to be as educated as possible on things we experience and things we don't experience so that we can, you know, advocate for each other and we can, you know, help end stigma and, you know, just bring more awareness. For sure. Well, I think that's all the time we have today. Again, we, you can reach us at Healthy with Holes on Instagram or Healthy Wit, W-I-T, Holes on Twitter. Yeah, so... Get out there. Try some of these techniques if you do struggle with anxiety. Have a conversation. Bye.